this is Pastor Daniel McGee with Connection Church in New York City. Thank you for listening to our church's weekly podcast. We hope God uses this sermon to encourage you and to increase your faith in Him. If you'd like to know more about our church, please check out our website at ConnectionNYC.com or like us on Facebook at ConnectionNYC. Grace and peace be with you. Hebrews chapter 4 verses 12-13 For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. This is the word of the Lord. So last week we looked at Jesus is the better rest, and this week we're looking at Jesus being the better word. And so what we mean by the word word tonight is that there's an authority or there's a foundation upon which you are building your life on. So everyone has an authority in their life. I I hear people who say they're anti-authority, and I know what they mean by that, but it's not true. I mean, we, we all have authority, so somebody in our life is an authority. And if you don't know who that person is, then that person is yourself. You're claiming to be your own authority, and so you're, you're claiming that for yourself. And I'd just like to encourage you that if you're your own authority, you're in a very, very dangerous spot. And I want to encourage you with a word of warning that that's a spot you don't want to be. You don't want to be your own authority in life. What we need is something that is designed to last Because you don't have the capacity to be the final authority in your life. What we need is someone to step in to be a hero for us, to be the final word, and that is Jesus. And so there are lots of different ways that that we can look to find authority and certainty. I think all of us want to have assuredness that that we're going in the right direction, that there's a foundation upon which we're building that will not crumble. And so there's a lot of places that we look for that. Uh, Many times people look to silly things like fortune cookies, and you may not, you know, look at the fortune cookie and say, I'm building my life on this. But if you're looking at it and it inspires you and it causes you to take steps of faith in a certain direction, it has some level of authority in your life. Uh, people use horoscopes. They use uh, daily readings. They do all kinds of things. And we look to it to find inspiration. And I would just like to encourage you that, uh, to remove those type of things and find something that is enduring, something that will actually stand the test of time. And so tonight we're going to see how Jesus is the better word. He's the one that gives us direction in life. And it's not just that he gives us a philosophy to follow, but tonight we're going to see how he is the person we are to follow. It's not just what he says, but it's who he is. And so tonight we're going to see, as we continue in Hebrews chapter 4, verses 12 and 13, it was just read for us how Jesus is the better word. So if you want to follow along in your worship folders, there should be an outline for you. You can look there, and we're going to go through some points together to help us discern how Jesus is the better word. Why is he the better word? And if we want to look, the first one is Jesus 
or excuse me, the Word, which is Jesus, is living and active. The Word is living and active. And that came straight from the text. So this is going to be probably the best one we've ever done here because it came straight from the Bible. There's no imagination. There's no whatever. There's no, you know, wisdom that came from me. This is straight word for word from the text. The Word is living and active. So what does that mean that it's the living Word of God. So we have the Bible, which is also referred to as the Word of God, and it is the written Word of God. And so we honor this here at Connection Church. We believe that the Bible is God's written Word, and so we follow this book. It tells us, or it's a collection of books we know, right? 66 of them. It teaches us all things about God, and, and it's the written Word of God, and so we follow it. But the written Word of God is designed to do something even better than just to have us rules to follow. This written Word of God is designed to point us to the living Word of God. This is designed totally to point us to Jesus. And so we don't worship the Bible, we worship Jesus. We revere the Bible and we honor it as the Word of God and we trust it, but we worship Jesus Christ. The written word of God points us to the living word of God. And so that gets us back to verse 12 of chapter 4, and we can read it here. It says, For the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. I actually thought about bringing a sword here today, but then realized maybe not a good idea in today's world to do that, so I didn't. And another thing which played a big role is I, I don't have a two-edged sword. So I would have probably had to buy one, and I don't want to spend money on that. So the Word of God is living. And so this is something really wonderful for us to understand. As we read the text, as we read the Bible, as we worship the Lord Jesus, as we acknowledge Him as the, the Word, we realize that His Word, written and the person of the Word, is living, which means it's always relevant. It's not outdated. It, it is, is relevant for us today. 2,000 years after it's been written. It is relevant to us today. The word, the message of Jesus never gets old either. So too often times what we do with this is we play ping pong. You know what ping pong is? Table tennis, if you want to be proper. Uh, I like ping pong. Actually, I ping pong proper too. But ping pong is this game. Uh, you, it's like tennis. It's a t- table and you hit it back and forth. I hit it over there, they hit it back to me, I hit it back and forth. And a lot of times we do scriptural ping pong, where we're like, well, this verse says this, and this verse says that, and we just have debates or discussions or even divisions over what the Word of God says. And so that's not the, the spirit of the Word is not written for us to play games with, but it is used to point us to Jesus and to encourage one another. And this person of Jesus is a living person. Jesus isn't someone who died, and then rose again and then went off somewhere that we, you know, don't know where he is. He, he's still living. He's interceding for us. He's at the right hand of the Father. He's in heaven. He's in authority. He's reigning in full. He's alive. And so it's not outdated what he has to say for us, uh, what he has to say for us. And so in John chapter 1, verse 1, where we see Jesus referred to as the Word as well. And so if you look there with me to pop up on the screen, it says, In the beginning, and we sang the song a few minutes ago about creation. So in the beginning was the Word. And you see they have the W capitalized in this translation because they know that from the context and from the the words that are used here, these are referring to divinity. They're referring to Jesus himself. And so it says, in the beginning was the Word, 
and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And so there's this, this understanding that, that Jesus is this living Word that is, that is endured. He was there before the beginning. He was there at the beginning, before the beginning. He was there with God, and he, was, he is God himself. And so we understand two words under living and active, or under living. The first one I would want you to write down, if you can, is relevant. I want you to understand that the, the Word of God is always relevant for our lives. It's always for today. Some of you, like me, we, we dismiss the Word of God, and we discredit it because we're smart enough to know. Now I'm patting myself on the back. But, you know, I'm patting you on the back, too. But we're smart enough to know that certain aspects of the Scripture are not applied to us today. There's certain parts of the Old Covenant that we don't have to uh, follow any longer. Does that make sense? Certain things in the Old Testament. There's a new covenant that we have, so we don't have to go out and, and make sacrifices like they used to. There's certain things that don't apply, but what it causes us to do is it causes us to doubt other parts of the Scripture. It causes us to, to live this life, well, you know, that was then and this is now. And so it's this limbo area. And there are definitely good reasons to have healthy conversations over those cultural issues and, and the, the things that word, uh, the Word of God says that people disagree on. But the point I'm getting to is that if you look at the Scripture and you're dismissing it as just, that's outdated, I don't really go by that anymore, then that's not a healthy place to be. It's going to rob you. And so the question is not, is this valid? The question is, how is this valid? How am I relating to this text? Am I looking to this to try to get what I want? Am I playing ping pong because I have an idea of what I want and I'm going to, to use this in order to win the game? Or am I looking to this and saying, Lord, I am submitting to this and I, I am trusting you even when I don't understand it and I'm going to follow you? So if, you don't, if you're not careful, you can have a very skeptical view of the Scriptures, which will translate over to having a very skeptical view of the Lord himself. I know one of the outreach paraphernalia cards that we had, we used to pass out to people, is it said, skeptics are welcome. And that's true. We want you, if you have questions, to, to understand that this is a place for you, it's a safe place for you to ask questions, but at the same time, it's not, our skepticism shouldn't be something that we're feeding. It's not something that we're, we're hoping you to have. Ask questions, yes, but our, our goal here is to, to be the church, uh, to, to grow in our faith in God, to, to be strengthened in our understanding of the Word of God, to know how it applies to us, not to stay in skepticism, but to grow in our faith. And so absolutely, it is appropriate and it's healthy for you to look at the Scripture and say, I don't understand this, or I have trouble believing this. Those things are fine. But the question is, what are you doing to take your step of faith? Sometimes we can misapply these principles of understanding that these don't apply to us, and it causes us to have this crippling relationship to where we're lacking joy in our life, we're lacking confidence, and we don't, I don't even know what God says. And I, heard this, I hear this a lot, too, not just from some of you, but around Christianity itself. I hear this, well, I don't know what the Bible says, but here's what I think. And that, that's, just, that's weak. It really is. It's just a, a really misguided way to live. And, 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 and it's not said from a fact of where, I don't know what the Bible says, but here's what I think. Let's find out what the Bible says. It's said from the standpoint of, I don't know what the Bible says, and I don't really care what it says, because here's what I think. That's what I'm getting at. 
is that the authority has shifted over from what God has said and who he is to where we just have become our own authority. I feel like, especially here, I know I've struggled, so I'm going to put me on the, the, the block. I'll, 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 I'll shout me out. What do, you, what do you call it? I'll blast me. There have been times recently that I have felt like I've trusted the New York Times more than I've trusted the Scripture. And I don't mean, I would, I would never say that out loud. I mean, saying it out loud, I'm like, dude, that's pretty bad. You're a pastor. But what I'm saying is that we look to certain things to give us the cultural current of the day, and we're not really diving into the Word of God. And so the New York Times or whatever it is that we have is affecting us, and it's stirring our beliefs, and it's leading us on a path with more influence than the Word of God does. So the Word of God is living and active, and so it's relevant for today. So I want you to understand that you're, it's not wrong, it is wrong for us to dismiss the Word of God and to think that it's not living for today, it's not relevant for today. And the second word is present. So the living part is it's relevant and it's present. The Word of God is present with us. So it is living here with us. Jesus was, is, and is to come. He is here with us. He is the living Word he is the standard, and he is the one who has, uh, he has set the standard, and he has fulfilled that standard himself. And so his, his, act, his living word is here with us. The word active here goes back to that song as well, because when God speaks, things happen. A lot of times I speak and have hopes and desires and goals, and I speak them, and I don't fulfill them. But when God speaks, God acts. And when we in our lives submit to the word, when we submit ourselves to God's promises, then the reality of him releasing promises into our life becomes true. It it starts to happen. And too often we just kind of meander through life because we don't even know what God's promises are. I, I started talking with a friend of mine, and uh, I was like, I want to start speaking promises over my kids. And he was like, well, what promises are you going to speak over them? I was like, I don't know. I need to find some. And so I'm like, you know what? There's some really big things that need to change in my life. God's word is active. And so if I want to see the fruit of God, the fruit of the Holy Spirit and the, and the work of God in the lives of myself and in the lives of my family and in, in your lives, what I need to be doing is speaking the word of God over you. I need to be the one that's encouraging you. You need to be the one that's encouraging other people and we need to encourage one another as well. Speaking the word of God is effective. That's the, we've, and under the active part, you can write down two words, effective and accomplishes. The Word of God accomplishes. It it is effective. So it's effective because it applies to our lives. It is active. It jumps in here. It changes us. It changes us physically. God still heals people. Do you hear that? God is still in the process of healing people. He heals people. So God speaks healing over our lives. Physically, spiritually, God brings healing to us to where we are brought out of the darkness, the shadows of skepticism into the the bright light of faith. 
emotionally, God brings healing to us as we go through difficult times that should just deflate us like a New England football. That was for Melanie. She's a big sports fan. We go through things and they should just demolish us. But emotionally, we're strong because the Word of God is living and active in our lives. And holistically as well, it, the Word of God brings healing to us, and it's effective. It applies holistically. Every area of your life, God wants to be part of that. He wants to be Lord over it. And so, this, and the second part, it's effective. The second part, is it, it accomplishes the mission, which ties into what I've already said, so I won't spend much time here. But the Word of God is accompanied with action to finish what He started. God always finishes what he starts, okay? It's not like me who still needs to clean out the garage at home. I haven't done it yet. I started a couple times, took two minutes, and I was like, this is way too big of a job. I'm going to call Larry someday, have him come over and help me. So that's my way of inviting you, Larry. But look in Isaiah 55, verse 11 with me. When we talk about how God's word goes out and accomplishes the mission, it, it reads this. In Isaiah 55, 11, it says, So shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. There's no skepticism, there's no doubt in what God says here. He is saying, when I send out my word, it's going to do what I've purposed it to do. It is going to accomplish what I've told it to accomplish. That's the kind of word I want to build my life on. God's promises that don't return empty or void. And then the two-edged sword, when people heard this on the day, there was probably a sword about this long that the Roman soldiers would have, and it would be double-edged. And when they got into close battle, when they would fight, they were, they were deadly with these things. They were well-trained, and so this would be a, uh, a fearful imagery for the people receiving this letter. And it's not just this, this fearful imagery that the Word of God is this two-edged sword. It actually says it's sharper than a two-edged sword. And so it's this sword that comes in and it untangles the mess in our hearts that are, that's created by sin. Uh, I used to fish when I was younger, um, and actually, everything in my life up to this point I've done when I was younger. <laughs> but when I was a young guy, I used to fish. And when you bass fish, typically you have an open-faced reel, which means you use your thumb on a spool. You know what a spool is, right? And so you hold your thumb on it, and then you cast, and you let go of the spool. But you don't let go all the way. You keep a little bit of tension on it because it'll just spin like crazy too fast and you'll get a bird's nest, which is, you know, it's good for birds, but not for a fishing, you know, uh, reel. And so you spin it out. So when you first start with this type of reel, it, it's a learning process. And I would get these bird nests, and you just can't untangle some of them. And so what you have to do eventually is cut the line. And what God is saying is, is this two-edged sword is that, that our hearts are tangled like that fishing line. And it's just something we cannot fix. And the Word of God comes in, and it cuts it but it's a good cut. It's relief. I mean, 
You can't catch much fish when you can't cast into the water. This was before I knew about noodling, which is where you catch fish with your hand. No? Okay. Know your audience, Daniel. The Word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword, and it cuts through our mess, which is a good thing. So let's go to point number two, since you asked. The Word is piercing and discerning. So this Word of God is piercing and discerning. We're talking again about the Scripture, but we're talking about more than that. We're talking about Jesus. Jesus is piercing and discerning. He's living and active. And so it's this process of understanding for the Christian and for the non-believer, this piercing and discerning is happening. And so it pierces us differently. Uh, As an unbeliever, the Word of God comes in and it pierces to our heart, and it convicts us of our sin. It's like, dude, you got a big bird nest here. You can't fix it, and it's going to cause you misery and eventually death. For the believer, it comes in and it pierces our heart and says, look, you're living as the old self, and you're not living to the, the newness of life that I've called you, not living as a holy child of God. And so it pierces through us. And so we'll look again at verse 12. It says, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, so worse than that fearful weapon of the enemy, piercing to the division of the soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. So this word of God comes in and it, and it cuts into us, but it's the kind of cut that heals. It cuts through the facade. You can fool me. You can fool one another. And honestly, we're really good at fooling ourselves. But we can't fool God. And so his, his word and who he is will eventually come to the, in, into our lives and will expose us for who we really are. It will even expose the, the good acts, the good things that we do in the name of God even. And it will expose it because God's word will come in and say, yeah, you did that for your own glory and not for mine. You said you wanted to take a stand and to see these things happening and, and, and for, for, the, for the Lord to do great things, but what you really wanted was people to say, good job, Daniel. You did a great job. I'm proud of you. And so God is not fooled by our presentation. And so the piercing that it's referring to is either a piercing for judgment, which would be for a non-believer, or it would be for our sanctification, which would be for a believer. James chapter 1, verse 22, it, it talks about the, the piercing of the word reveals what's in us. James one twenty two reads this, it says, But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. So this, this piercing of God's word coming in keeps us from deceiving ourselves. But if we're not living on this, if we're not ingesting this, if we're not feeding our soul on the Word of God, if we're not spending time with Jesus, if we're not uh, praying in the Spirit, if we're not doing these things of God, then what we're going to be doing is eventually setting ourselves up to be deceived by ourselves. The Word discerns these things and the intentions of our heart. Second Chronicles 16 verse 9 talks about this, that, that God is, is looking at our hearts And it says, For the eyes of the Lord, they run to and fro throughout the whole earth to give strong support to those whose heart is blameless.
toward him. So God is, is looking all over the earth, and he's wanting to have those hearts that are directed toward him, that are, that are worshiping him, and he wants to bless you. If you keep reading that verse, you'll realize that these people did not do that. And he actually said, you have done foolishly in this, for now, for now on you will have wars. But that's not our case today. Today, we've seen in Hebrews chapter, uh, actually the previous chapter before this, it talked about while it's today, today, do not harden your heart. And so today we have an opportunity to say, Lord, pierce my heart. Enter into this and show me where I'm being a phony. Show me where I'm putting on a show for people. Show me where I'm resisting you, rebelling against you. And make my heart blameless toward you. But in order for the Word of God to, to pierce our hearts and to discern our hearts, we need to have it resolved in our own lives that the Word of God and what He says, so the Word of God to- totally is the final authority. That this is who we are submitting ourselves to. If we're only looking at this and saying, ah, I'm going to leave this half of this out, this letter I don't really like, that verse there doesn't make sense, I'm not going to do it. If we're looking at it and ripping it out, what we're saying is, God, I'm going to determine what is and isn't authority. And what we're doing is positioning ourselves as the authority in our lives. The final verse that we're looking at tonight gets us to Jesus, and this is my favorite part. I'll just read it. Chapter 4, verse 13, it says, And no creature is hidden from God's sight. So this, this word of God is living and active and piercing and discerning. And it says, No creature. This includes everything. Any creature. Nothing is hidden from God's sight. He sees everything. Nothing is hidden. But all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. And this, to whom we must give account, will come up again later in this letter as it talks about that God has appointed a day uh, for once for us to, to die and then to face judgment. That we will face the Lord and we will give account to Him. But the picture it has here is that we are laid bare, we are naked, we are exposed before God. It's, so no, nothing can hide from God. We can't hide from Him. He sees everything. And if you first read this, you're like, oh, it's kind of scary. And it is terrifying unless you're in Christ. Because if you're in Christ, what you realize is that when Jesus looks into all this, when he sees my, my failures, my sin, my rebellion, all of these things, because I'm in Christ, those are removed. Because of, of what God has done for me in Jesus, when I stand before the Lord on that judgment day, I'm not going to be ashamed. I'm not going to be wondering if he if forgave me for whatever because I'm going to remember those words that Jesus spoke, the promise that he gave on the cross when he said, it is finished. It is accomplished. There's no condemnation for those who are in Jesus Christ. 
So the comforting part of being a follower of Christ is that because of what he's done, when that day comes, when we are exposed before him, which is now, he is already living and active, we're already exposed now. It's not just something that's going to happen later. It's just that everybody is going to have all their skepticism removed as to who Jesus is and if he's real when we stand before him at the great uh, the, 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 the judgment day. By grace, Jesus took the shameful place for us when he went to the cross and he gives us I'll say it this way. He gives us royalty. We're we're the children of the king. We're we're the prodigal son who comes home and, and the father who has missed his rebellious, sorry excuse for a son who's told his dad, I wish you were dead. Give me my stuff and then left. Comes crawling home That's us, crawling home to the Lord. And the Lord picks up his robe and runs to us. And he says, my son, my daughter, I'm so happy to see you. Instead of shame and ridicule and condemnation, we stand before the Lord, loved and cherished as his children. This is why Jesus is the better word. Because the foundation that we live on is the foundation of total strength, total power, total authority. And the God who has all of those things is wielding all of his power to give us his love. Isn't that a wonderful God? That is the word that I want to live my life on. So the question I have for you is, what word in your life are you following and trusting? Which ones are you following and trusting more than Jesus? What are you looking to that speaks more powerfully to your life than the Lord? Are you in God's Word? And as a result of being in God's Word, is His Word in you? Are you allowing His Word to pierce your heart and change you? Those are questions only you can answer for yourself. I'll finish with this. So, I've been praying out loud a lot. I talk about this often. Uh, Jess, I think you even joked about it at group this week, right? And so, uh, by the way, join a connect group because you get a lot of inside jokes with people and it's fun. So, I, I've been praying out loud a lot and I've, I've been walking in, in victory more than I have in the past. Uh, and I'm, I'm very thankful to the Lord. And I shared last week how he, he blessed a certain night as I went and worked and I got paid double what I normally would get paid driving and um, and I've noticed that what I've started to do, there's another song by Hillsong that's called Be Still, and it's on the same track, and I, I've noticed that that's one of those songs that I've, I pray out loud, or I sing it and pray out loud, and I just, I use that to, to, to get me started, and it's scripture, be still and know that I am God, and so I, I use that to, to, uh, to connect with the Lord, for the word of God to become more real in my life. You know, it's been so healthy for me, because there are so many times when I really want to stress out. So many times. Even today. There are things that I wanted to stress out about. And the reason 
you need the Word of God living in your heart so where it's quick to be spoken off of your tongue is because there is an enemy that is trying to destroy you. Satan is not this, you know, meager little thing that we have to worry about. Oh, there's Satan trying to tempt me. No, he's a roaring lion seeking to devour and destroy you. And so what we need is something stronger than him. This is why we can't be our own authority because we will deceive ourselves. We will fall under his deception. And so we need the word of God living within us. So I want to challenge you to, to put some scripture in your heart. A lot of songs that we sing here at church, their foundational uh, beginning is, is scripture. They're, they're scripture put in different ways or, or whatever creatively. Uh, put those in your heart so that when you feel like saying, <laughs> I shouldn't say that. When you feel like saying you something you shouldn't say in church, especially if you're preaching, instead, you'll choose to say something that speaks life into your life. Because life is going to be really hard. But the good thing is, we serve a tougher God who has already said, in this world, you're going to face a lot of trouble, but don't lose heart because I have overcome the world. Amen? That's the word that God has for us tonight. That's why Jesus is the better word. Will you pray with me? Lord Jesus, uh, tonight we, um, I mean, I still have lots of questions. I know that in, in my 30 minutes of being up here tonight, Lord, I have probably opened up more questions that I want to know answers to than, than answered questions for myself and maybe for others in here. And Lord, I understand that your holy scriptures are complicated in times, and sometimes they are just so simple it is easy to understand. And so tonight, Lord, I pray that you would speak to our hearts. Um, and in the name of Jesus, I claim unity in this church, Lord, because we have it. Uh, you've given that to us. Uh, in the name of Jesus, Lord, I claim um, favor because, Lord, you've given that to us as your children. Lord, in the name of Jesus, I proclaim healing over people here tonight who are suffering, who are burdened, who have sin that is just overwhelming them, Lord. And tonight, I pray that you would break them of that bondage. Lord, I pray that you would move in our hearts in a way that we would overflow with your Holy Spirit in this world, that, that your word would just flow freely from us into uh, our lives, into our families' lives, into our church, into our neighbors, into our co-workers, that we would truly be uh, reflecting your glory in this world. Difficult times come to all of us, Lord. And if we focus on the storm around us, we're going to live a life of doubt and, and fear. But Lord, in the midst of the storm, I pray that we would look to you, we would look to the cross, and we would know there is nothing, nothing too hard for you. Lord, we bless you, and we ask that you would give us a great faith in you as our better word. In Jesus' name, amen.